Hello and welcome to the River Vixens podcast. This is the best podcast on the internet for all of your latest reviews of Riverdale episodes. Yes, the CW's <laughs> newest teen soap and it is juicy, let me tell you. It is the newest teen soap, but it's also like the oldest story <laughs> in our culture it's of a, Archie yeah, and his friends. It's a nice balance. At the same time, like we'll definitely go through it. There are some twists and turns in this show that really just throw it back to some of my favorite teen dramas out there. So I think... I think we should probably introduce ourselves. Right. So I'm Casey Cage. And I'm Victoria Jane. Um, do you think you're Betty or Veronica? So I'm going to go out on a limb <laughs> and say definitely more of a Betty. Because, what? Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so surprised. No, because I think I see Veronica and I'm like, I don't trust her. I don't like her. <laughs> I don't tr- No, okay. I'm lying. I like Veronica but I'm not as smooth talking as Veronica ever. I'm definitely much more of a timid Betty, I think, in social situations. <laughs> but like clothing wise, I think I'm like maybe a Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> well, also just keep in mind that Casey has the most beautiful red hair. Stop. So she's it's true. very like she could play Cheryl in this show. She is definitely a Cheryl lookalike. Um, I also think that I am a Betty, even though Victoria, Veronica, you know, similar names, but I'm blonde and a good girl in all of the ways that can really stress you out and hold you down, as you will see with Betty in Riverdale. You know, I would liken the Betty-Veronica dichotomy to the whole Anne Hathaway, (laughs) J-Law. I'm not even joking, because we all like J-Law, so we all like Veronica. Nobody really wants to be the timid Betty. But we all are the <laughs> None of us are really that cool. So when it comes down to it, we're all just a Betty and someone's stealing our man. And oh, no. During seven minutes of <laughs> all right. We're getting ahead of ourselves. So just to recap, we are two 22-year-olds that are newly minted River Vixens and Riverdale fans. So we started this podcast to review the episodes and obsess over everything that happens in the town with Pep. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also want to really investigate into all of the mysteries this wonderful new show has brought to the CW viewers. We're going to start off with just some first impressions. What would you say in one word, Riverdale episode one was? Sketch. I don't trust anybody. Oh <laughs> they all have ulterior motives. Nobody's innocent. <laughs> and that is one of the taglines for the shows. It was like, lose your innocence or yeah. something like that. Or mm. the time to get away with it all, which mm. is really just an awesome tagline. Everybody's Kudos got secrets. To whoever came Everybody. up with that. Yeah, a lot of secrets. Mm-hmm. So um, what word would you use to describe the first episode? Well, I want to use, like, sensational, but not in, like, oh, it was so wonderful. Like, it was great. But I think more sensational is in, like, it had, like, all this sensational content. You know? Mm -hmm. There was a teacher-student affair, which we will get into. There is missing, presumed dead boy turned murder case Mm. at the very end. We were watching it for the second time with a friend of ours, and he literally gasped. (laughs) When they found Jason in that shallow grave of pooling 
He dead. Water. <laughs> he, he dead. <laughs> he I'm dead. like trying to be poetic and you're just like, he dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all knew it. Yeah. So basically the moral is Cheryl's a liar um, because she claims. <laughs> we don't know that yet. <laughs> we'll get to Cheryl. Trust no one. So now that we know that the show is sketch and sensational, <laughs> let's go into, you know, our cast of characters. Right. Uh, we are not going to give you a bullet point <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> get it because he got shot in the head <laughs> we're not going to give you uh let's say a play-by-play recap you should just watch the show you already have a few spoilers in this episode or you can definitely read a lot of episode recaps online we're more here to discuss so we're going to talk first about the star quarterback yeah. singer Ginger Stallion. Yeah, Archie, so uh, Archie Andrews, actually. Oh my god, I'm so Archibald, <laughs> quote, Archie Andrews, played by KJ Appa, who, if you don't know, is from New Zealand, I think. Yes. Google him. He's got a nice accent. Yes. Amongst other Like, he is, a, like, things. native New Zealander and him. He yeah. considers himself a man of color. Yeah, so they say he is an intense, conflicted teen, a boyish high school sophomore, which is very unbelievable. No high school sophomore looks like this. Don't, don't. Well, okay, so, Ugh. okay, so that's something we need to discuss for everyone in the show. Yeah. So everyone here is a high school sophomore. Uh, what was your sophomore year like? What were you like in the 10th grade Casey. I was the theater kid. I was <laughs> playing volleyball and I did not have the fashion sense of all these teens. Everyone seems so tall on this show too. I don't know. It's the heels. All the girls uh, are wearing fabulous shoes. Yeah. What is that? Who wears We that didn't wear school? heels to high school. No. I mean, I'm also like almost 5'10", so I definitely wasn't wearing yeah, heels. Yeah. I'm 5'3". I have no so I was just... <laughs> Lazy. What I was gathering from the show is that in this alternate CW universe, everyone is beautiful and gorgeous, and everyone has nice fashion sense. And in our case, Archie, everyone cannot stop talking about how attractive they think he is. He, like, got hot over the summer. Yeah. Which I just, I love the idea of summer transformations, because mm-hmm. people change a lot over the school year, but, like, it's, oh, you always want to come back, and all, all the hard work that you might have put into you know, getting into shape, losing weight, clearing up your skin, going blonde. You want all of that to seem effortless and like it just happened yeah. overnight or happened over the summer. So yeah. he comes back and has a six pack. Because he poured cement during the summer. Yeah, you know, pouring cement can really just like build your core, you know? Yeah, it's a good core <laughs> workout. But also, he did not only pour cement, he learned how to play guitar and write songs. So he's a jock with a heart of gold, people. Speaking of his songs, he's pretty much buff Ed Sheeran at this point and yeah. I expect fully for Veronica to call him as much because she <gasps> yes. has the best nicknames for him. Before we get into his nicknames because we have a running list of all the things <laughs> he was called during this episode we took a screen cap of some of his lyrics. I think it says something hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah I think that says something hallelujah. Uh, time for the reckoning. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Which is, I mean, the reckoning, that's a line that we'll return to later. Yeah. That, uh, that's going to be the name Veronica of the episode, loses. Oh, for sure. The or just the, the, the theme, I think, of this right. show is this, this is the reckoning of Riverdale. Yeah, everyone's sins are just coming out from yes. the darkness into the light. And he wrote, she came right to me. She was beckoning. Oh, see that? He rhymes reckoning with beckoning. Wow. Uh, took me by surprise. Summer day when I was hot and tired, 
finished my work and then if you just you can't see anything else right so yeah. you know maybe that would be a good song but also kind of like so much for keeping this whole thing secret with uh, yeah okay <laughs> actually Grundy. so i had a question because this appeared after he had i believe after he had met veronica so who's the song about are we just assuming it's about his teacher miss Grundy? oh yeah for sure or is it about veronica i don't think it's about veronica yet i think he's like very like she came captivated right by Veronica, but she's the new girl. He 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 thinks he's in love with Miss Grundy. But before we get into that, because I mean, we are we're really like putting a pin in the Miss Grundy conversation because we're going to freak out when we get to that topic because we are not fans. And not a fan. from what I've seen on the internet, many people are not fans of this. I think that the uh, teacher student trope is tired, and I think that people are coming to understand how abusive it is, and especially gross. in this context. Yeah, he's um, clearly traumatized. And I mean, it's bad. Again, all of these characters are supposed to be 14 to 15 years old. Disgusting. Yeah. And this happens the summer between your freshman and your sophomore year. That is so young yeah that summer i just babysat because there was nothing else for me to do because i was like too old for like day camp but i was too young to get a job that's how young you are yeah, i was going to volleyball camp yeah. i was not having an affair with my teacher it, uh god i hope not this this would also <laughs> would not have been the time for me to find out that you had big reveal <laughs> oh geez um no i i i'm an advocate for gender-based violence and any kind of laws that are broken in that realm mm. and in the state i go to school in i would literally need to report this if like archie were to be a 20-year-old, and he told me about how he had a relationship with a woman in her 30s when he was 14 to 15. That's child abuse. So I literally would have to report it even, like, years later because it's everyone's a mandatory reporter in that state. Right. Um, So that's how, like, severe this really is. And Archie is fine, and he's, like, tall and manly-looking, but he is not a man. No, he is not. He is a boy. So we will still get there. He, he is a boy, as we can tell by his locker. Tell us, tell me about your favorite locker sticker. Cheerleaders. That's all it says. When he opens his locker, there's just a sticker that says cheerleaders right. on it. The set design in the show was aces. I mean, I think their high school looks great. I, it looks like the high school that Casey and I went to. We went to the same high school. Yeah. The high school was founded in 1941. And... Like, the Archie character in comics, they begun in 1941. So I thought that was a really cute little, like, Easter egg. When they first said that, I was like, who cares? So Archie had quite a summer. He really felt changed by this summer. He worked with his father's construction company. He had an affair with his music teacher, who is a older woman in her 30s. Gross. Let's just, let's just quickly name some nicknames that were brought up uh, to... Really just, you know, label Archie beyond quarterback musician. Right. He is also Ginger Bull. <laughs> Justin Ginger Lake. Teen Outlander. Redheaded. Oh, no, I'm going to butcher his name. <laughs> Ansel Elgort. Ansel Elgort. There we go. <laughs> I love Hipster Prince Harry. Archiekins. And Ginger Stallion. Wow. Yeah, okay. Can you imagine if you just applied all these names to, like, a female character in this universe? If they, like... Yeah. Okay, so Cheryl, she's also a redhead. And if she walked up and they were just like, hey, like, Ginger Pony, people would be like, what the hell? (laughs) Well, as a fellow Ginger, Casey, have you ever been called anything based off of your red Um, locks? Little Red? 
Okay. I've gotten that. I don't know what that's, I guess Little Red Riding Hood that's in reference to, even though she just has a red cape, but find it interesting. I feel like we're going to have a new generation of people who are like, they got, Ginger's got a bad rap from South Park, well, and now <laughs> everyone's going to be like, there are three different characters Gingers on the show. Gingers are so hot. Yeah. And I'll be like, yeah, I know, I've been here. And KJ is not a natural redhead, but... He pulls it off nicely. I, I did, I did think that he wasn't going to, and he definitely did. He He's pulling it off. Yeah, um, it's like a deep red, I like it. And then Cheryl has beautiful... That's definitely natural. rocks. Yeah. Locks. And he has some kind of falling out with his best friend. Jughead, which they only allude to, so we don't actually know what happened. They allude to it pretty wonderfully. Yeah. I really like the way they allude to it. There's a scene with Jughead and Archie... At the local 24-hour diner. Love those. We're mm-hmm. from Jersey, so we love ourselves a uh, 24-hour diner. Right. It was really sad to kind of get this aside about how, you know, communicating between Jughead and Archie, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it hasn't really been happening. Yeah, it and I'm all about down. those platonic friendships, platonic male friendships that yes. I don't think got enough screen time. So the fact that it, it was only a small amount of the episode dedicated to this little topic but I'm really excited to see it unfold for the rest of the season, and I really want to know what happened and if they figure it out. I hope they do. Well, I'm just trying to think so far of the things that they could potentially be fighting about, and I can't help but think that Jughead knows something about Miss Grundy. Right. Well, because Jughead, he's... He's moralistic, I, I assume. Yeah. Like, he's introduced as the narrator. He's, the, he's kind of the Dan. I really like Jughead. I wonder if they go into the fact that his real name is, like, Forsyth, <laughs> which is just, like, so out... Of touch now. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. In the comic books, his name is Forsyth, and they call him Jughead. Interesting. Um, he, he usually wears a crown in the comics, and I just love the update that they did for the show, where they put a little hat on him that, Perfect. like, folds around to be a slight crown shape. I don't know how to, like, describe the hat, yeah, other you gotta, than to show it. Gotta watch the show um, It's a good beanie. Yeah. We love ourselves a good beanie. Right, yeah, and so he's described as a philosophically bent heartthrob who was once the best friend of Archie, who's still dealing with the rift that came between them. Played by the very beautiful, very funny, and intelligent uh, Cole Sprouse. Come we, in the show, Cole! We, we, we follow him on Twitter. Uh, we love everyone. We love KJ Appa. We love um, Camila... Um, if that's how you pronounce Lily, her name, yeah. Lily. I mean, we just, we already, like, I love these actors and the way that they've brought a sense of both tradition to these old characters and a sense of reinvention for this new show. So Cole Sprouse has really brought some awesome, just tone and attitude to Jughead. He was in the episode very little. Even his brother took to Twitter to complain. Yeah, the whole internet was upset about that. <laughs> They're like, we need more coal. Give us coal. He was in the intro, but we barely saw him. And then he was in this scene with Archie near the end and some, you know, last minute narration about Archie and Betty is falling out and their two hearts breaking over their romantic, non-romantic moment of truth. Yeah. And I do have to give... I believe you said this, that Cole Sprouse, he did try and fight to keep Jughead asexual yes. in the script, but in CW universe, they don't allow that. But hopefully they make progress in the future, and they don't do that, because I really think they're underestimating their audience and are underestimating, underestimating how much we would appreciate that. I mean, from what I've seen on Tumblr, people are very into the idea of him being um, asexual or ero, aromantic. So going into... Our female characters, since mm. we're going to get into, you know, the gender balance here. What I was going to bring up was, you know, if if Jughead 
turns out to be asexual and aromantic, then it's almost like there's just Archie. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I have no doubt that Archie will get with every single female character on Probably, this TV show. Probably, yeah. You know, there's also Reggie, who we've now seen, like, kind of, like, pump, you know. The football pump, player. Yeah, pump up Archie and be like, yeah, my man, get it. And, right. like, get that cougar, get that, you know. Yeah, which was a weird thing to say. Heaven. Yeah, it's like, unless he knows something. I can't imagine that no one knows about Miss Grundy Oh, someone Archie. definitely is going to blackmail them right. in the future. It's so dumb. No. Um, we'll get into that. So, on the guy side, there's Archie, Jughead, Reggie, and Moose. And Moose is Ke- probably gay. And oh, he's, yeah. wait, he hooks up in this episode with Kevin, who is also gay. So there's just not a lot of straight men in the first place to, like, get with the straight girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I have a feeling they might not go with an asexual, aromantic jughead. Mm-hmm. However, Cole Sprouse did say in an interview, you know, sometimes people discover that they might be asexual and aromantic through being in relationships and potentially not feeling what they think they're supposed to feel. That's a good so point. So he might be with in relationships with girls on the show, or maybe men on the show in the future, and then, you know, realize that that's not for him. That's and a good point. that I, could be his moment. I would like that. That could be his reckoning. I would like if that happens. That would be nice. You're rooting for having yeah, that representation I think, on the show. Yeah, no, we need more representation of this sexuality on television. And more other LGBTQ media. representation is needed across the board. Yeah. Um, I think we're getting that on some other CW shows, for sure. But I don't know if we've ever really seen it on a teen drama, teen soap, the yeah. way that... Certainly straight relationships yeah, have been represented. I never understood that because do they not think we're ready for it? Like, I think we need to definitely demonstrate our demand for those kinds of storylines mm-hmm. in a way that is louder than just an echo, you know, in the echo chamber. I want Riverdale to be brave and do something. Uh, Let's see some bi representation. Let's see some lesbian representation that doesn't end in, you know, complete and utter tragedy. That's unfortunately the trend of a lot of lesbian couples. Very true. Um, especially, like, I would just point to Buffy. Every every lesbian relationship just has to be doomed in some respect mm-hmm. on these teen soaps. So let's get into Betty then. Speaking of some <laughs> girl on girl, uh, Betty and Veronica. Betty, uh, we are introduced to her getting ready in her bra. <laughs> yeah, which I actually I have the same bra as her. It's just it's nude. It's not pink. <laughs> I like the pink. It was a cute bra. It was cute. Um, I also just love her being like undressed in front of Kevin and not giving a shit because that's also like me and all of my gay friends where I'm just like, eh. <laughs> yeah, like, it's fine. Ain't nothing you ever seen before. Yeah. And uh, she just got back from a summer interning in Los Angeles where she interned in some kind of literary uh, company. Yeah. She's a bookish girl. Yeah. She loves Toni Morrison and she was able to meet Toni Morrison at her internship, which is pretty freaking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also a little high strung. Uh, she is definitely trying to, um, make everything in her life perfect. Uh, we see that she is on medication for ADHD. She takes Adderall. We have illusions that, over the summer, she went from season five to season one Betty Draper. She also got hot over the summer. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those situations where she lost, like, five pounds, and they're like, oh my god, she's not hideous anymore. <laughs> like, something ridiculous like that, because Cheryl the Mean Girl wouldn't let her on the cheerleading squad. But, like, Cheryl, like, Cheryl's not, like, I mean, everyone on this show is thin, but I just don't see how, like, she could get away with calling whatever whatever weight Betty was before, like, fat like she called her fat which is just like the one of the worst words in my opinion in like our language when you when a bully recognizes an insecurity in another person yeah it's less about whether it's there yeah it doesn't really matter if it's even true if the 
person who's on the receiving end of the bullying thinks it's true, that's enough, and the bully mm-hmm. just runs with it. So I kind of think that, especially if her mother is on her, yeah, on her, for you her know, weight too. Right. So I think that, especially because Betty's a character who strives to be perfect and is very sweet, but is very much a people pleaser to a point where it's a fault. I could totally see where she was, you know, just a healthy girl, and Cheryl exploited the fact that this girl was insecure and kept her down because we also know that there is a rift between the two families between betty's family the coopers yes and cheryl's family the blossoms because of polly her sister polly right so betty's sister polly and jason right cheryl's twin jason they allude to them having a very tumultuous relationship a relationship where Polly thought it was everything and Jason thought it was nothing. Right. And to the point where somehow that put Polly into a mental hospital. Yeah, or they called it a, or it said a group home, something like that. So basically, Polly's not doing so great. We haven't met Polly yet, but I'm assuming we're going to meet her in the future. Yeah, we looked up on IMDb and found, like, the actress who is probably mm. going to, who, like, is listed as playing Polly for seven episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. So we assume we are going to see her in flashbacks mm-hmm. or... In the flesh, in this timeline of the show, um, sometime soon. It's just sad. She she doesn't blame Jason, though, for what happened to Polly. She blames her mother for breaking her, for how she treated Polly. Um, we also see her mother treating Betty pretty poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, putting a lot of pressure on her to have, like, high moral standards and just overall getting perfect grades not being in cheerleading because that's too risky yeah right so alice cooper is the name of betty's mother and she's the editor of the local paper which is going to play more of a larger role in the series as it continues on she's an investigator herself right and she's also perfectionist so she's really projecting a lot of her own issues onto her poor daughter (laughs) who does not seem to handle stress Perfectly. As we saw with Cheryl provoking her into insulting her, Betty really resisted by digging her fingernails into her palms to the point mm. where she was bleeding. There's a preview where, like, we see that she does this again in the future, which is not the best. Self-harm is not usually the best way to deal with stress. No. Nope. Um, nor is the best way to deal with stress just running away when she really wasn't able to handle the seven minutes in heaven moment between... Archie and Veronica, she just ran away and she went and cried at her house. Um, Yeah, so when we were talking about our feelings on the show, you had a theory that Betty is going to have a breaking point. She's going to spiral out of control somehow. Like, something's got to give. There's cracks in her foundation. Like, she's always told to be perfect, and then the one thing that she wants, Archie, she can't have because because Archie thinks that she's too perfect. I mean, Mm -hmm. that is a real heartbreaking moment that Mm -hmm. we see between Betty and Archie where both of their perceptions of each other just really limit their ability to actually connect. They're supposed to be the people that are closest on the show, and yet they really fail to see each other fully. Betty proposes the entire relationship between her and Archie by saying, you know, we could be a power couple, or just a couple. Yeah, now that I'm a river vixen on the cheerleading squad and you're on the football team we'd be perfect whereas you know veronica says oh archie you can be everything that you want to be you can be all these things whereas betty says oh you can be the football player and i'll be the cheerleader we'll be betty and archie and i think that there needs to be something deeper going on here i think that archie feels like he's been corrupted in a certain way and when he is saying to Betty, oh, you're too perfect. You're too good. I think what he's really saying is you're too innocent. Mm. 
And yeah, I think he's definitely drawn to women who... Have ha- edges. Right, yeah, and he sees Betty as someone who has not experienced the same level of, I guess, what's the word? I don't want to say sketchiness, but it is sketchiness. <laughs> well, just, I mean... Yeah, shadiness. shadiness. I, I, I would say corruption again. Corruption, Moral yeah. corruption. Yeah, and also Archie really has this complex about getting stuck in his same old town. Yeah. And going to school and then coming back again from college just to work with his father again. He wants to get out of that that rut and I guess when he looks at Betty he sees his best friend from childhood and she just represents the past and him falling into the same place that his dad did whereas Veronica on the other hand is this new shiny thing (laughs) right and something different and she represents new possibilities but I also think that she represents a little bit of shadiness and risk going forward because I think their seven minutes in heaven scene they really weren't thinking about anyone's feelings in that moment but I think that was just straight lust I think it was just a lust moment and I think that there's some deep love between Betty and Archie that they're gonna grow into later I Mm -hmm. just think again to another CW show the Vampire Diaries where Mm -hmm. Stefan and Caroline like when they first met Stefan was completely not interested in Caroline and Caroline was like so into him and really only at a certain point of character development were they able to see each other as potential romantic partners and mm. eventually, like, fiancés and great loves. And I think that's true here, too. I think that Betty has a lot of changing to do. I think mm. Archie has a lot of changing to do. So I think that if they were to get together at this point, that would be very stunting. Like, they yeah. wouldn't change. I think that would be really stagnant for them. Yeah. So speaking of change, new girl in town, Veronica... I just Ooh. love her, the way that she appeared on screen. First of all, <laughs> she never doesn't wear her pearls, which oh. is just fabulous. Yeah, no, she's just like this more secure, I would say more reformed. She's less unhinged than Blair Waldorf was on Gossip <laughs> Girl. You know, in some scenes she even has the headband. I think she's also struggling to break her old habits. I think she was way more of a Cheryl at her own school. Yeah, and then, she even says as much. Right, but then when her father got in trouble with the law for fraud and embezzlement, that was a rude awakening that, wow, your status can be ripped away from you in a matter of seconds. And then mm. also, your actions have consequences, so you have to be careful how you treat people and what you do. Mm-hmm. The first scene, we see her checking into her hotel mm-hmm. and just being confused as to what the heck a chocolate shop is and why does it sell hamburgers, which I thought was just yeah. cute of just like continuously throughout this entire show. Uh, she just is like clueless as to yeah. all of these small town. Yes, the guy from New York City. <laughs> I don't get anything. Wait, who's Jason? Wait, He's does dead. everyone know about me? Wait, what's the cheerleading team? What's yeah. that about? So she shows up in a hooded cape. Fabulous again. In like Snow White. Um, yeah, looking at like Snow White. With a fairy lip. Um, <laughs> at the local diner where we are getting a little uh, summer catch-up session between Archie and Betty. Where Betty is trying to make it her night with Archie. And again, she d- completely fails because she doesn't have any courage in this arena. Nope. Um, which is sad to see and hopefully she grows in the future. But Veronica walks straight up to them. I think this is because she just sees, like, an attractive couple that looks her age, but... Yeah, see, I saw that, and I was like, hmm, that's, that, I see an agenda. Like, who just, yeah. out of everyone she picks in the, in the diner, she happens... She doesn't go up to, like, oh, one girl sitting by herself. She finds the hottest guy in the diner who may or may not be on a and date. Hottest girl. Right, okay, if I was walking into a diner and I was a new girl in town and I saw a really hot girl and a really hot guy together... I would probably be 
like, oh, like, I don't want to disturb them. Maybe they're having a moment. But no, nope, <laughs> not Veronica. She's like, let me insert myself I mean, into this situation. I think that's just a theme. That right, we'll continue yeah. To no, see. yeah, I guess because, like, Betty doesn't really have the courage to throw herself out there. And then Veronica, she, yeah, she doesn't have the same inhibitions. She just does it. She just throws herself out there. So I just think that's her personality. At first... Casey thought that was just sus. Yeah, <laughs> real no. suspicious. Real I, sus. I was like, I feel like she knows who they are and she wants to get to know them. Who knows? I mean, they never talk about social media on the show. Well, actually, no, they mentioned Twitter. Uh, at Cheryl. Blo- uh, Cheryl bombshell. Bombshell. <laughs> at Cheryl <laughs> Bombshell. Catch me on Twitter at Cheryl Bombshell. Right. But, um, so I'm like, she could have totally went on Facebook or something in this alternate universe seeing this hot dude. Oh and my been, gosh. Like, when I moved she to She really school, has an agenda in that case. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the new school <laughs> and find the hottest guy I can. I don't know. But honestly, just- so this is something that I've seen people post about and I also just like, while I was watching the show, I just, I got the vibe that veronica was bisexual and that she is attracted to the two hottest people in this diner and she Mm -hmm. looks at them both equally Mm -hmm. tries speaking to them both equally Mm -hmm. um throughout the entire episode she lays on the compliments real thick on both of them but Mm -hmm. honestly she lays on the compliments more thickly with betty Yeah. She, like, was on, like, borderline, like, hitting on Betty. Yeah, no, definitely some vibes, I would say. (laughs) Vibes. Some vibes, some strong (laughs) vibes. However, I also can't help but feel like that's, like, a mean girl tactic that she's trying, you know, that she probably used that back at home. It's like, you flatter the right people, you get them on your side, Uh, you build an army, you take down Cheryl, you know? That kind of thing. Considering right now now the only two people um, that are official, actually the only one person who is officially in the LGBTQ lgbtq community on the show is kevin right. <laughs> who is almost a stereotype yeah. of a gay they literally man. call him the gay best friend right cheryl's like is that still a thing oh that's such a good line <laughs> and it, they just called out to it um because kevin in the comics is like almost not a stereotype they like go out of their way to not make him a stereotype but at the same time kevin was such a refreshing part of this episode that i don't oh, even yeah. care he might favorite um, the episode but <laughs> as someone who really cares about lgbtq representation i was I'm kind of just hoping that Kevin's not the only one. I mean, Moose is also not, you know, straight. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> In so we'll, many words, but. Maybe we'll see. We need some some ladies on the name. I agree. I agree. Um, I'm just hoping that they explore that more with Veronica, but I agree it could totally have been just a power move. Yeah, no, because I think that's a way to disarm people. Lay on the totally. compliments. And I, okay, I The told- nicknaming, that's like a way to yeah. build, like, endearing Also, okay, that's just why I don't trust Veronica, you know, as much as I like her personality as far as like, wow, she's such a smooth talker, she's really smart. However, the way she was like, so pushing Betty to go for Archie, and then when Betty didn't have the courage to really go for it. Well, I guess she did at the dance. She tells him she likes him, but then he in the worst down. way, right? But then um, she doesn't really pursue it any further. Uh, Veronica was just like, "Okay, like now I'm gonna make out with you in the closet during seven minutes of heaven." Like we shouldn't do this. But we're yeah, she got t- really caught up into the in the moment with uh with him there, and that means at this at this point in the season, um, Veronica has now kissed uh. Two of the main characters. Oh, yeah. She has now kissed both Archie She's and Betty. marking her territory. <laughs> um, so, with the references, I just think that they really try to prove that Veronica is very high class in the way that she is educated and that she is, like, pulp culturally in tune with oh, things. Oh, yeah. She makes it, like, two Truman Capote references. She calls herself the Blue Jasmine of Riverdale High. Yeah, she mentions Outlander. She mentions Our Town. She 
calls Betty a potential Queen Bay, as in Queen Beyonce. She wants to be back in New York, I think, in a certain sense. Twice she calls the semi-formal not quite the Met Gala and not quite the Met Ball. And it's like, well, of course it's it's not. It's a high school (laughs) gym. In, in a small town. All right. But she's still willing to try out for cheerleading, do well in the tryouts. I doubt cheerleading was cool in New York City, but in this small town, it is, as Cheryl calls, iconic. And what is she, like, everlasting or something like that? Mm, she says, like that. it'll always be cool. And then she has her real awesome, like, iconic moment of the episode Ooh. in a monologue that delivered monologue. wonderfully by Camila Mendez. Yeah, so basically Cheryl really puts Betty down at cheerleading tryouts and she tries to get a reaction out of her. She tries to provoke a reaction saying, oh, Betty, did you tell Veronica about what happened to your sister? And was just very rude to her, very mean. Uh, Betty holds back because she's classier than that. She's not going <laughs> to scream at some girl. Lost her brother. Right, yeah, summer. no. She, Betty has a lot of self-control. Um, but instead, Veronica just monologues her face off and just <laughs> we were we were given snaps that yeah. was so good kind of ripped cheryl a new one <laughs> for sure i mean deserved oh definitely that really leads into the reckoning aspect that was again mentioned in the archie mm. lyric and just mentioned i think throughout this whole thing there's going to be a reckoning there is there's going to be people who pay for what happened yeah um in this high school in this small town and i think that really leads into cheryl The bereaved black widow of Riverdale High. Right. Okay. So we are getting some weird vibes. From Miss Queen Bee. Yeah. Okay. So. The town villain. Right. Okay. So first we see the episode opens up. We see the scene where her and her twin Jason, both beautiful genders, are all dressed in white, going out on a boat. Such a look. What an aesthetic. Right. Such an aesthetic. (laughs) But they're both going out on a boat in the middle of a river. And then the story is that she dropped a glove in the river. He reached over to grab it. He fell out of the boat, freaked out, and they drowned. They both fell. Yeah, right. They so, both capsized. Right. Which makes no sense considering the fact that her brother was the captain of the water polo team. The Aquaholics. The Aquaholics. <laughs> How did he drown, Cheryl? Tell me that. Riddle me that, Cheryl. Yeah, Jughead is certainly going, mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure. No, he picks up on how that story sounds like a load of bull. But also, I thought it was really interesting the way, so the Boy Scout troops, they basically find Cheryl crying on a rock, washed up, just completely destroyed and disheveled from the water. And she just looks at them and goes, Jason. Which is just the weirdest, like, way to pause. (laughs) Right, right. Jason. Yeah. But that scene of her washed up on the rock, she really reminded me of a mermaid siren type. Yeah. You know, washed up on the rock, but you get the kind of the sense like, ooh, she was luring somebody to their doom. Ooh, Casey, nice. Yeah, I don't know. It's that long Ariel hair, I guess, on her. It's beautiful, but yeah. I don't trust her. <laughs> well, this connection that she has with her brother is really drawn out. Um, yeah. There is a scene with Josie and the Pussycats. She's introducing them at the dance and asking them to play a song that, quote, my parents claimed they were listening to the night we were conceived. And in that sense, she's talking about her and her brother. Yeah. Okay. Disgusting. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think there may be a, maybe some uh, Cersei, Jamie, yeah, <laughs> vibes going I, on I here. really hope. Ooh. I really hope. Some twin says. Yeah. All I right. really hope there isn't because. Uh, what else are they implying? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Or is she just like coping with this 
poorly. She calls him her soulmate, I think. Right. Which and I, in this episode or with in, in an interview with the actress who plays yeah, Cheryl. No, they definitely say in the episode when okay, she's giving yeah, her speech soulmate. to the to the class about how the dance is not canceled. So, yeah, I don't know. There's just some undertones that their relationship may not have been as appropriate as I would hope it was, but who knows? I Um, also just love the idea that through her grief, she just decides to wreck havoc. Like, she even says that. She's like, I want to wreck some havoc when she, or cause some chaos when she spots. I'm in the mood for chaos. Yeah, Archie and uh, Betty at the dance. She calls them two turtle doves. There's just so many small lines in this show, like in this script, where I'm just like, oh, this is so good. (laughs) So Um, many gems. And she calls, like, other people, like, three hens at some point. Like, she's always, like, using little She's always got, names. She's always got a little dig, um, you know? Yes. Because she's really the chief mean girl here. And she's always surrounded by her two, like, henchmen of yeah. sorts. And I'm interested to see whether those henchmen, like, ever switch over to Veronica in a very mean girl, like, right. movie style. Yeah, who knows if they will, because maybe... Or if we ever find out their names. Right, but then also if they switch sides, it's like, wow, you abandoned the girl whose brother died. <laughs> like, you yeah. know? So that might be preventing a lot of them, not only the fact that she's mean and they're afraid of being the next target of her bullying, but also they may be like, uh, also, you know, I can't really call out the girl who's grieving right now yeah you know i mean also like she does cause like a good amount of drama just by like doing practically nothing at the party that she throws Mm -hmm. she changes from her red gown to her short red dress which i thought was fabulous such a look and then she really just kind of pushes things to where they already naturally probably would have gone i mean there could have been some self-restraint between veronica and archie but there wasn't i don't think that's her fault she calls Like, Veronica and Archie both call her out as if, I think Veronica calls her a shady bitch. Yeah, she's like, like, you did this. Well, also, Veronica, like, she wouldn't have run away if you also just didn't kiss Archie in that closet. Like, she's just taking it out on Cheryl. Or how Cheryl's like, I vote Archie Kins to go into the closet. Archie could have been like, nah, I'm good, and went home. He could have easily walked away from the situation, but I think... Him and Veronica. They also kind of wanted it. Yeah, they have an attraction to each other. So don't blame anyone else. Yeah. You could have just not kissed. Right. Yeah, I think Hot it's... Hot kiss, though. Yeah, no, I think that they're going to discover, though, these these young, naive teens, perhaps, they're going to realize their actions have consequences. <laughs> <laughs> um, and speaking of consequences, <laughs> poor Kevin. Poor Kevin. <laughs> poor Kevin goes out to hook up with Moose. Poor Kevin was just trying to get it in. Yeah, and gets- everything but kiss. Yeah, and then he just gets traumatized by the discovery of Jason's dead, bloated body floating up from the river with a bullet straight through Yeah, his head. I actually do think that he probably would have been even more decayed, like, in real life. He would yeah. have decomposed, I should say. Whole summer, um, since so, July. yeah, a really long time in shallow water. I almost feel like an animal would have come over and started, like, eating <gasps> at him. Wait. What? Wow. I just have a new conspiracy theory. What if he'd been alive longer and he only got shot recently and got dumped in the river recently? Well, what about that bullet shot that they heard That's at 6 a.m.? That's a good point. <laughs> who knows? We'll get into who killed uh, I'm who here. Killed I'm just here for the conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah, so Kevin probably definitely didn't kill Jason, considering he discovered the body. See? On accident. That's, that's what they want. That's what they want you to think. He purposely brought Moose to the exact spot. It's like in the serial podcast where, like, this guy just happens to wander off to the side of the road to pee and finds the body. Well, if you lead the people to the body and you're like, oh my god, I'm so 
sad and traumatized by finding this body. Maybe they won't suspect it was it's you. It's exactly what you want them to not suspect, right? But I really don't think Kevin had anything to do with it because he is perfect. And I cannot wait to hear more of his sauce in the continuing episodes and also just see a little bit more of how this might wear on him being attracted and interested in someone who is in the closet. Oh, yeah. Um, Moose spikes the punch at the dance. And just overall stirs up some trouble Mm -hmm. um, by staying in the closet while really wanting on that Kevin. Oh, yeah. Um, Which is, I I mean, this is the time, I think, for that to, like, be a point of discovery in a young teenager's life. Yeah. They're sophomores in high school. Mm -hmm. And... I just don't think that the point of discovery was meant to be a body. <laughs> I don't think it was meant to, they were meant to find a, oh, a young boy God. with a bullet in his head. Yeah, you want to discover your sexuality? Nice. No. <laughs> we're going to interrupt it with uh, this. Discover murder. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, so that really just leads us into some of the more minor characters in the show. Um, we didn't really like see a lot of Moose. Um, we don't see a lot of, of Jason in particular, other than some of the weird things he has in common with Archie. They're both redheads. Yeah. They both are now the same jersey number on the football team. They're both kind of set up to be golden boys. Mm. Um, and I think that that really starts to affect Archie uh, later on in the series. I mean, we see hints of it now with him just going, I, I mean, is that what Jason's going to be remembered for? The mm-hmm. way he died? the fact that he was captain of the water polo team is that how he's going to be remembered like what does my life mean then and i think that Mm -hmm. he's really starting to struggle with those darker questions Mm -hmm. uh when we pick up with this beginning yeah clearly he sees a lot of himself in the person jason was Mm -hmm. which is probably very unsettling considering we just found him with a bullet through his head Uh with all of this darkness there's the delightful lightness of josie and the pussycats oh yeah (laughs) where there's just some premium sass coming from them as well and i'm really looking forward to seeing how they rock out in the episodes to come Mm -hmm. and potentially how uh archie with his music maybe yeah i also think they might have like i don't know josie might have some secrets she might play... She's a- friends with, with Cheryl for right. what it's led to, to show. Yeah, so I think that she might have a minor role in the season overall, but she might have a secret or two that could play a part in Jason's murder. Who knows? Ooh. It's all connected. I mean, it is. I mean, that's why I think we're going to see more of Reggie, and we're definitely going to see more of Smithers the doorman. Oh, yeah. And I think we're definitely going to see a lot more about the parents. That really leads us again into the couples. So we hear about... Polly and uh, Jason kind of out of the screen, but we're really introduced to the idea of first of Betty and Archie getting together. According to Kevin, they are endgame. <laughs> I really don't think that this couple is going to work in the moment. I think this can work down the line, but mm-hmm. in the moment, they are not what each other needs to really grow and mm-hmm. change. However, they're best friends, so it's really going to be sad to see if they can't somehow fix this in the upcoming episodes. Right, and also I think that friendship is equally as valuable as a romantic relationship, and I especially think platonic relation. right, platonic relationships always have to end up in a romantic relationship, yeah. you know? It's always like, oh, he's the ch- she's the cheerleader, he's the football player, they'd be so perfect together, and it's like, or they could just maintain their friendship and that could be very fulfilling, equally fulfilling, mm-hmm. just in a different way, and so I kind of hope that Betty really kind of comes into her own and realizes that she doesn't need to project this idea of perfection and be a part of a perfect power couple and be with someone who she thinks she's supposed to be with, which is the football player, her best friend from childhood. I kind of hope that she maybe follows her heart a little bit more, you know? 
instead of what she thinks would look good and does what actually feels good, you know? <laughs> I would love to see her with someone who is completely the opposite of Archie and who is someone who doesn't meet her standards and realizes that maybe she needs to reconfigure what her standards are in a romantic partner. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I think it would be interesting to see her with Jughead. That would um, be cool. I just, not as like, you know, end game, but just as an opportunity for them to both reflect and mm-hmm. grow as people because mm-hmm. they're so different. Right. Um, the same with Betty and Veronica, if they were to ever be a, in a couple. I think that they're very different in a way that's mm-hmm. wonderful. But at the same time, again, very just wonderful as a friendship. Yeah. It was a little queer baiting to have them kiss like that. I personally think that Veronica might just have wanted to kiss Betty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with everything with them being a matching set and, you know, Betty's a smoke show and just everything that really laying on there, I think they could be setting up for them to be in a relationship, but I don't think that's where we're going to see this show go, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I do think that Veronica and Jughead have the fact that they both really speak their mind in common. So I think, because we haven't seen Jughead and Veronica interact yet. And I feel like Jughead's going to meet Veronica and really maybe kind of call her out on some of her more oh, definitely. Um, bad habits. And some, some, of her more... some Dan and Blair Right, stuff. yeah. And I think that Veronica might change for the better. And then also I think Jughead will learn to maybe see her as more of a fully formed person and not make these snap judgments on her. I mean, of course they haven't interacted just yet, but just based on the way that Jughead has just observed what goes on around him and really has this idea of who people are and what they're up to i really think that he might make certain assumptions about everybody in the show and then maybe he might be right or maybe his assumptions might be challenged yeah and then there's veronica and archie so i mean i think that they had some real lust there i mean archie just had everything around him practically fade out to black once veronica showed up at that diner Mm -hmm. i think veronica definitely finds him to be hot but I don't think that she, like, is so enamored with him. I don't think she's, she's going to continue to pursue him in any sense in the upcoming episodes. It was just a, you know, a moment of weakness. Mm-hmm. They had a good makeout in a closet. Really cute shit chat leading up to that. I think Archie's definitely interested in her considering he, like, he was really the one to be like, Do, did you have a boyfriend? Mm. And the one to really just, like, look at her and think that she's amazing. The fact that we saw them kiss in this first episode didn't really make it me want it. Like, it didn't build up any tension. You in know. the future. It's too um, easy. Too easy. It was it was a little easy. And she just looks racked with guilt mm. in the end. She just looks real. Everyone everyone feels terribly at the end of this episode. It was not worth it. <laughs> it was not worth it. Yeah, so I think that, that might be the that might be the continuing like line for them. Like, is it worth it? Because they are putting Betty's feelings on the line if they were to continue whatever it is that they're doing. Right. <laughs> and just to wrap up just the general discussion we're going to have about each of the couples, we need to talk about Archie and Miss Grundy. We think uh, it starts off with this Lolita reference where she looks like Lolita with her heart glasses, but she's actually the older one. She's the music teacher. She went to Juilliard and yeah. she's at this small town public school. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just have this theory that... Miss Grundy's a band geek living out her fantasy of screwing the hot football player, but it's so inappropriate because she's using her position of power to get laid, and that's so messed up. She's so mad that the adult and the more powerful person with authority in that situation is really giving bad advice to a child. It's less than bad advice. I think it's coercion. Oh, yeah. I think yeah, it's blackmailing. Totally, totally. I think it's a whole other level of emotional manipulation, and I do see her as an abuser in this scenario. I see totally. Archie as a victim in this scenario 
I think a lot of the guilt and the shame that Archie is carrying about not being innocent anymore is just really sad to see because it's not his fault. Right. I think that she overall is just not a character that anyone sympathizes with at this point, and mm-hmm. I don't think she deserves our sympathy. Mm-hmm. I think that the fact that she is giving him music tutoring sessions is so going to continue to be inappropriate. No, definitely. I think that there are tons of other people that Archie can get music lessons from. Hopefully, uh, Josie and the Pussycats (laughs) come around. But she is just bad news bears. I don't like her whatsoever. No, me neither. And And I don't think a lot of people do. Yeah, no, I'm really glad that there's a lot of people online and who people have just watched the show who are recognizing that it doesn't matter how hot and grown up Archie seems. In the context of the show, he is a sophomore in high school and it's not appropriate and never will be appropriate. It's not romantic. It's not cool. It's not hot. It's it's a crime and wrong on so many levels. So yeah, that's what I have to say about that. That was my low of the episode, at least, was the fact that this relationship is so inappropriate. The actress, I think, is 34 or something like that. Right. So like she might have had, this is going out on a limb, but I think maybe she had inappropriate relationships with Jason, maybe with another student. Who knows? You know what? Okay, we're just going to jump right into our segment that we're going to have every episode. So this is the segment called Who Killed Jason? (laughs) We don't know yet. (laughs) My theory is someone was screwing Jason. You think it was someone who was actively having sex with Jason at the point of his murder? Right. I don't know who. I don't know if it was Polly. I don't know if it was Miss Grundy. I don't know if it was some character who wasn't introduced yet. I really hope it was not Cheryl, because that's disgusting, as well as would be disgusting with Miss Grundy as well. We don't know yet. But I think that it has... I think there's jealousy involved. I think there's so dis- jealousy, incest, betray, rape. You're normal. <laughs> yeah, you're normal. Menu murder right of topics in a CW show. I think there's just I think there's a major betrayal of some sort, and somebody had to cover something up, maybe. And in order to do that, they thought they had to off Jason, which is sad. So sad. Yeah. Unless he deserved it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't think don't he, I don't think people. he deserved it. I don't think that murder is deserved unless it was in self defense. Um, in this case, I have a very hard time believing that this was in self defense. Yeah, it was like because point, he w- didn't seem to be armed on this yeah, boat. Point blank range, gunshot to the forehead. Yeah. Like, what is that? That was rough. I think that, that feels we are going to, to see some people come out as suspects. I think that Cheryl is going to be a suspect at first. She might be this first arrest that. Jughead alluded to at fifth period on Tuesday. I don't know if she's involved. I don't know if Cheryl would have killed her brother by a bullet shot to the head. Honestly, I think that she is much more conniving than that. So I think, I mean, women, this is this is a traditional thing. Like, women usually kill people by poisoning them. And I think right. that she would not have had an issue poisoning her twin brother. Right. Um, I don't think she would have bought him out to the river to shoot him in the head. Yeah. So more risky. while Cheryl is sketchy... I don't think that she did it for that reason. I just don't think that she would have murdered him this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that someone in the Cooper family could have been involved. It could have been Polly. Could have uh, been Alice. It could have been the mother. Alice. I don't think, I think Alice honestly also wouldn't kill him this way. And I also don't think that Alice maybe would have known that he was at the river. Just the way that she reacted when they were like just looking for the body, like the way that like she hoped that he suffered. And then I, I, I don't think she would have shot him then point blank in the head. Like mm-hmm. you don't suffer if you're shot like that. You're yeah. you're done. Yeah. So I don't think she would have killed him that way either. I think she would have done it in a drawn out way. Mm-hmm. I think that it could have easily been Mr. Cooper. We haven't heard from him yet. 
Mm-hmm. I think that this could have been. I, I do think that he, you know, maybe he was sleeping with a teacher as well, and maybe <gasps> what? there Ms. was someone who was also sleeping with Miss Grundy <gasps> and was jealous. Who knows? Yeah, maybe Miss Grundy gets around. We don't have a high opinion of Miss <sighs> Grundy, so it could have been someone who was jealous in some respect. Um, not only just about sleeping with Jason, <gasps> but who, who Jason was sleeping with. Maybe Miss Grundy was sleeping with Jason. He was gonna tell somebody, so she had someone off him. Maybe it's multiple people are connected. Maybe a bunch of people were pulling. The strings but there was actually one person who pulled the trigger though we don't know my main thing is just who knew that he was going to be at the river at 6 a.m on a little canoe ride with his sister like and how much of cheryl's story is true did he capsize roll up to the riverfront and then someone shot him in the head like then what kind of motive is that i mean it is a confounding situation yeah so i'm really looking forward to seeing how this mystery pans out right so let's just get into the highs and lows of this mystery, Casey. Mm. What were your lows and highs of this episode? Okay, well, definitely my main low was the reverse Lolita scene where Miss Grundy rolls by in her car because I was just like, ah, gross. But I have to say the high of the season, although he was only on the show for maybe three minutes total, with just so few lines, Jughead, played by Cole Sprouse, just said so much, so little, when he tells his friend... Archie, you know, you could have, you just need to talk to Betty, you know, mm-hmm. communicate with her. You would go a long way. And he says, would have gone a long way with me. And the way he delivered that line. Kudos, Cole Sprouse, kudos. Yeah, <laughs> that was so heartbreaking. It said so much. You know that it wasn't just a simple like, oh, you didn't text me back. It was like, there was some kind of falling out that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really want to know what happened. So mm-hmm. I thought that was just some really great acting. And I just like that line a lot. For me, the low... The high and low of the episode were the same scene. It was the scene with Cheryl, Veronica, and Betty at the cheerleading mm-hmm. tryout. I thought that it was wonderful and a high um, to see Veronica do a, a straight-up mean girl monologue and show <laughs> what kind of natural confidence she's working with in this situation and get a little more perspective on her, you know, reformed bad girl persona. I loved all of Betty's reactions. I loved, you know, seeing her have Veronica's lipstick smeared across her face. I loved her digging her fingernails into her palm. I just think that we saw a lot there. A lot of details. Yeah, about all of these characters. Cheryl was literally sitting in like a wooden throne. <laughs> but I think the low of, the, of that moment too was what exactly they were trying to accomplish with that kiss. I hate it. If it comes out to mean something, I think that's great. If it doesn't, then and they just did it to be sensational, did it to have it in all of the previews. Queer beta. Yeah. And, I mean, Cheryl even calls her out on it and goes, That hasn't like, been taboo since 1994. Yeah. <laughs> so, which is just a great line. She was like, check your sell by a date, ladies. <laughs> and that, I mean, that, again, this was a, the high of the episode, but also, like, a low, a little, like, tease instead of anything real about this relationship. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to see where that exactly goes. Back to what exactly we'll do every single episode. We will have a Who who Killed Jason segment, a high and low segment, and then we are going to talk about who said it. My favorite. <laughs> so uh, we want you to tell us on our Tumblr and our Ask Me Anything or email us at our email, rivervixenspod at gmail.com and tell us who said it. These are some of our favorite lines of the episode and we want <laughs> you to really just let us know if you know... Who said these wonderful words? So I will go first. Sure. Read my gloss lips, Justin Gingerlake. Ooh, burn. And then she says something. 
that you're supposed to read her lips. I'm not going to say the full line because I think that'll give it away. Okay, and then my favorite, one of my favorite lines. Game changer. Archie got hot. He's got abs now. Six more reasons to grab that ginger bull by the horns tonight. Ooh, who said it? <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> I know. Do you? You should And then know. I'm reading out loud what was also your favorite line. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Betty, you will not believe who just propositioned me in the bathroom. Give you a hint. His name may be Moose, but I describe a certain appendage of his as horse-like. Ah, I love it! <laughs> oh my god. Like, this is a CW show. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> it's so funny. So those are three lines. Please let us know who said each of these lines. There might be a repeat. I don't know. And we'd love to hear from you what your favorite lines were from this episode. Ooh. So just give us a little... Give us a little note in our inbox. Yeah, okay. If someone can edit a photo together with these quotes on top of it <laughs> and send it to us, I would love that. Thank you. We'll also do an OTP endgame segment every episode, oh. and this is just wrapping up the entire episode for us. It is really hard to say what my OTP is, which mm. is one true pairing, which is the couple that I root for, um, and what the end game is, which is not exactly your OTP, but also, like, who you think will end up together in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave the example that my OTP in that 70s show was probably uh, Kelso and Jackie, but Endgame was Jackie and Fez. Who saw that coming? What? Um, so it's not always about who ends up together. Uh, my OTP in Gossip Girl was uh, Blair and Dan, and Dan ended up with Serena, and... Mm-hmm. Blair ended up with Chuck. So that was really the end game. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see any OTP or end games right now? Casey? Okay, so I don't have an OTP at the moment, but end game, I think Kevin and Moose are going to be f- together forever <laughs> because once you find a dead body together, <laughs> there ain't no going back. You're bonded for life. Like, I just, there's studies that say heightened adrenaline-inducing experiences really bring lovers together. So I think they, I think they're cemented forever now. Hey, and guess what? Take note, Miss Grundy. Take note, Archie. Right. They found a body. Probably didn't want anyone to know that they were together, and they still reported it to the police. Right, so yeah. What do you know? Right, yeah. You can get okay. away with that. Moose even says, I'm not gay. And he then- doesn't want anyone finding out that he went to make out point by the river to... Do everything but kiss with, with uh, Kevin. Kevin, but here he, here he is reporting a dead body to the police. Right. Yeah. I mean, who knows? It was probably more Kevin who was like, "Let's do the right thing," and because <laughs> I could totally see Moose like running off and be like, "I was never here," <laughs> and Kevin being like, "Yeah, I was just alone by the lake." And just well, that's, that's the thing. Like, that's the thing with the Archie and Miscani situation. <gasps> Both of them could have just said that they were alone. It, yeah. Like going on a 100%. hike. So that pretty much wraps up our episode. It's a longer episode because we're still getting a feel for all these characters. I don't think we'll have this much to say about all of our first impressions next time. Uh, This episode was called Reverse Edge or something along those lines. The next episode is... Chapter 2, A Touch of Evil. Ooh. Ooh. And what was this called? This was called... Oh, the... 
The River's oh, Edge. Oh, I was so close. Chapter one, The River's Edge. All right. So we're really looking forward to chapter two. We're looking to hearing from you. Please let us know what you thought of the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And let us know on Tumblr what you'd like us to discuss next. You can, again, email us at rivervixenspod at gmail.com or ask us anything on Tumblr. Casey, any parting words? Trust no bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And we're out. Thank you for listening. To learn more about the music used in this podcast, please read the description for this episode.